Welcome back to the Aesthetics of Leadership podcast, where we discuss the nature and appreciation of transformations. I am your host, Edwin Adams, and today, an incredible leader, Ian Inman. Is it Monday? It's Monday. Oh, it's Monday. Man, it's been, uh, it's been a good Monday. How about you for yourself? Uh, you know, I live for Mondays. That's good. That's, man, I always, I, I always find it interesting when people are like, oh man, another Monday. I'm over here like that used to be me until all of a sudden I almost died four times. And I'm like, all right, let's hit off this Monday. Now I get to have another Monday. And don't be wrong, like it started rough, but man, you can turn it around fast. Well, see, see, you're already dropping something that's got me curious. You almost died four times. Let's just start the conversation there. I think that's absolutely brilliant. Wow. <laughs> oh, man, we're kicking it off. All right, let's hit it. Yeah, uh, there's there's no need to pause after you drop something like that, Ian. Um, I, we'll get to the introductions later, but the story is going to define everything. Let's go. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So uh, the first time um, was actually by it was it was my by myself, so through suicide, um, and it was one of those things that my I walked in on my ex wife cheating on me. Um, kind of had some suspicions. I went and ran a mission. Uh, I was working for a joint task force North. We were doing the U S Mexico border and wasn't able to fly that night. The winds were too high. I came home, uh, brought her some flowers and was just going to surprise her. And I was the one that got the surprise. And, uh, that was kind of the, a tipping point for me. Um, a lot had led up, which we can dive into my backstory a little bit more, but just to kind of expedite the four different experiences, um, was that was the first time. And so I went home and I mean, I was just in a super dark place, started drinking heavy the way that soldiers do, wasn't in the right frame of mind, went and grabbed my gun, turned on Norwegian death metal and just started letting it rip and put the gun in my mouth. I can still remember the uh, the taste of the cleaner on it. And man, I almost went through with it. And then all of a sudden the Norwegian death metal playlist started playing Casting Crowns. And that was not a, wow. Casting Crowns was not a band that was even in my life at the time. Um, that was in my ex-wife's playlist. So to this day, I'm still like, it blows my mind how that even came on the radio. Um, or I'm sorry, over over the playlist. And what it did is I was like, well, I'd go read a Bible if I had one. And I was like, oh, wait, and we'll, we'll dive into this later. But my mom gave me a Bible and this Bible was at a time that I hated her the most when she was just drinking right before I joined the army where I was like, you're the reason that our family was torn apart. I blamed her for so much, but yet she wrote a Bible and her, her drunkenness at that time. And all of the things that she wrote in there, she claims she wrote to me, but what it did is it was actually all of the thoughts that she had. It was all the things that God was telling her and she was documenting it in this Bible, gave it to me. And then I was able to reflect years later and see, wow, she was writing these notes to herself because she needed this and she didn't know what to do with it anymore. So she gave it to me. Then that's what saved me that night was this Bible from the person that I hated most after I just had my wife, my uh, ex-wife cheat on me and I almost killed myself. All of that transpired. And that was the first time I should have gave my life to Christ. But after that, I was like, wow, that was a close one. Thanks God. Don't need you anymore though. And I just completely checked out. Um, and then from there, fast forward years later now, it's a completely different uh, phase of life and came back from Afghanistan and I started having some uh, issues with my health. So uh, I was exposed to toxic chemicals and exposures um, while I was out there and chemicals and it disrupted my whole body, um, basically started shutting me down my respiratory tract, uh, my neurological tract or my neurological 
uh, state. Like I was losing awareness and having gaps in memory, couldn't remember things. I'm vomiting up blood. My throat's swelling shut every time I go outside for more than five minutes. And I can't figure out why my body's just shutting down. Um, on three separate occasions during that sickness, uh, did my throat swell shut and, or I broke a fever or something, my body had failed to the point where I, I legitimately thought that it was over. Um, and on the first one, the world came narrowing in. I remember blacking out and then I woke up, you know, probably half hour, 45 minutes later to firefighters around me. And I was like, what just happened? Last thing I remember, I was driving on the freeway alone. Second time, my throat started swelling shut when I was outside. Uh, I'm a huge outdoorsman, always have been. Um, and we were out hunting. And five minutes of me being out in this field, my throat started to swell shut. And this is before any diagnosis had come along. We're 12 months into medical testing. No one can tell me why my body's failing. And next thing you know, now I'm out there going through anaphylactic shock in a field with no EpiPens because no one's ever told me I have allergies. And came out of that one. And I'm like, how, how is this happening? And then the third and final time, and this is on the backside, uh, throughout this sickness, it caused, it, it corrupted me. I mean, it turned me into a terrible person. And at that time I was already going down a bad path and this sickness, my wife packed her bags. We had divorce papers signed on the table and she was gone. Like she wasn't even in the home. I'm sitting on the floor. I get triggered, my throat swelling shut. And I just sat there and I was like, I'm done after 18 months. And I want to say we were up to a million dollars in medical testing at that time um, that the army completely paid for everything. I mean, 18 months, no doctors can tell me anything that's going wrong with me. And so I'm sitting here like, what is happening? I've been fighting and grabbing onto all of these different things that it could be. No one can tell me what it was. And so I'm sitting on the floor. My wife left me. I've got nothing. My business collapsed. My army career is over. They're telling me I'm getting medically separated. There's nothing I can do about it. And my throat starts to swell shut. And I just remember sitting up against the wall and I was like, you know what? Let it happen. Like if it's going to happen, I'm done with this sickness. I'm done running from it. And it's going to happen. If it's going to happen, <laughs> I had no one left to call, no friends, no family, no one. And then all of a sudden I remember getting healed and my throat started to, to unswell. And I was so mad because at the time now I'm yelling out to God, like, do you think this is a game? Do you think this is funny? Why are you doing this to me? And I remember having the realization, this was only seven months ago. And I remember having the realization uh, eight months ago of why am I yelling out to a God that I supposedly don't believe in or need? And so I went back and grabbed my mom's Bible again. And it was only one of like the fourth or fifth times I've ever grabbed that thing and opened it. And all four times it had been one of the times that I've almost died. So now that thing is uh, sitting back there and it's kind of become my it, sacred it's Bible. It's not too far away. <laughs> oh yeah. I never keep that too far now. Ian, my my goodness, I had no idea um, the the story behind the man. I mean, what what uh, you know for the listening audience, it's very clear. If you look up Ian Inman, you're going to find entrepreneur. You're going to find world class speaker and coach. You're going to find absolute warrior from a competitive spirit. You're going to find that he he gave his life. Christ not too long ago. And you're a competitor like nobody else. So clearly I'm seeing a, a common thread in the story that created the man. You've alluded to early childhood that is kind of deep. You've talked about your mom. You've talked about your recovery. You've talked about um, so much. I don't even know where to start, Ian. So maybe... maybe <laughs> Gosh, we started with death. Let's start 
let's uh, start the next question with light. This is a season of Advent. Um, Christ is coming in four weeks, right? We're going to celebrate the birth of Christ. Right. Where do you find your source of light right now, day to day? Let's just go there. It's an interesting question um, because there's two there's two parts to it. First off, through my trials and tribulations that I've gone through, all the way since childhood. I mean, don't get me wrong. In, in my early childhood, my my mom was a super loving mom, incredible mom. Like, I don't think I could have been loved anymore. And it was just a phenomenal relationship with her. And then she started drinking. And when when that started to happen, that was the downturn. And so going through all of that and going through all the obstacles that I, I just listed, I mean, that's just t touching the tip of the iceberg. Um, but all of those have allowed me to reflect pretty deep. Like over this past eight months of giving my life to Christ, there's two things that really stand out to me. And it's anytime I'm in a bad spot, I constantly go back and reflect on them. And the first one is for what does it profit a man to gain the whole world, but sacrifice his soul? Because that was the old me. I would choose profits over people. I would choose money as the source of my being and who I wanted to be and my identity through entrepreneurship and through the army I wanted to be, you know, it was all about me, 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 me. And then the second verse that always falls back on me where I'm like, that one is just so powerful to me because it keeps me centered. The second one is the one that inspires me to just wake up and just get after it every day. And that's, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I know it's a super cliche verse. All Christians always say like, oh, I can do this. But here's the thing is like, it's, it's nice to say until you start mapping it out with other Bible verses where you see it says I can do all things, not some things, all things. And it already says our path has been outlined. It's just up to us to get up every day and go and pursue that path. So where I find my light is obviously through Jesus, but it's so much deeper to where through the, the closer I get to him, the more that I realize I don't know. And the more that that inspires me to just keep grinding on and to learn as much as I can, because the closer I get to him, he's fulfilling all the desires of my heart. So that, that's mm. where I'm finding it. Yeah, but in your programming, there, there's something about you, though, that even before you found Christ, you were a get up and go kind of guy. I mean, somebody doesn't make it to your level of military expertise by just being average. So so tell me, tell me that story of where the the warrior and and the competitor come from because clearly that's another light that you had before you were aware of it. I'd love to yeah, know. Yeah, so more. that actually uh, that actually starts when I was younger. Um, I, I've always played baseball uh, leading up to high school. That was my sport. Um, found it early on. I was always the starting pitcher. Then I moved on to a travel ball team. Was the starting pitcher there. I had to be the center of attention in the center of the field. Um, whether that was because my mom was drinking and our home life was a little shaken up and I just wanted that extra attention. Haven't quite dug deep into that, but that then translated. My dad showed me entrepreneurship at the age of 16. Uh, he walks in on my birthday, my 16th birthday, and he sets two envelopes on the table. One of them has, uh, so both of them have sticky notes in them and one is written $500. Uh, I'm sorry, $1,000. And the other one is written the Benelli Supernova shotgun, which is the shotgun that I wanted. So he put cash and he put a material item in two different envelopes and said, which one do you want? And I'm only 16. So at the time I'm like, well, I'm just going to take the $1,000, buy the Benelli Supernova shotgun, and now I've got money to go spend uh, as well. He came back and he goes, that's not how this works. He goes, if you take the cash, 
I want you to multiply it and you can keep whatever you multiply. And I want my thousand dollars back and I want it in the next 12 months. If you take the shotgun, go enjoy it. We'll go buy it tomorrow. No harm, no foul. And I go, well, how am I supposed to multiply it? And he goes, what, I have to give you the money and teach you how to multiply it too? And so all of a sudden I'm sitting here and I'm like, challenge accepted. Like, you don't, okay, let's, let's do this. And so I went and, uh, I mean, I researched the depths of early age YouTube and like reading books about entrepreneurship and investing. And this is at 16, started a knife company and I went around and my, my dad's in the sales industry. So naturally I was able to ask him a lot of sales questions. And the core of it was just put in the work, stop talking about it, stop reading about it, get the baseline you need and put in the work. So that was something that I learned early on. So what I did is I started a knife sharpening company. I went down to Home Depot, bought a one by 30 belt sander um, with all of the different belts and stra leather straps and all of that. Thought I was an expert. And I went down to all the butcher shops. I went down to the restaurants. I went to the haircutters. I didn't care what level they were because in my innocence at that time, I'm just like, cool, I'm going to get everyone's business. And it worked. I started getting butchers. I started getting some local people with pocket knives and all of that. Made the money back in like a month or two. Gave him his money back and was like, on to the next one. So fast forward, when I decided to run away from home, I dropped out of uh, high school my junior year. My dad taught me entrepreneurship and investing. And I was like, why do I need school now? I, you've taught me how to make money. I don't need school anymore. Ran away three states away. They were living in Northern California at the time. And I went all the way up to uh, central Minnesota to go and live with a girl. Went out there, lied on my job application at a Ford dealership, telling them I was 18, call, uh, high school graduate, and got the job there, quickly became one of their top salesmen, and then quit because I got bored. And so you see this continuous trend of everything that I've done in my life. Uh, at 19, I went to Planet Fitness, became an assistant manager, and was like, well, if you guys gave me an assistant manager at 19 this quick, I'm bored. And I went on to the next one. And just you can see that this series where it continued to evolve. Until all of a sudden I started getting into drugs and drinking and couch surfing. And then that girlfriend cheated on me. And then all of a sudden it just continued to spiral. And those, those good behaviors started to turn toxic. Then my dad calls me when I'm 20 years old and says, are you done messing around? Do you want a second chance in life? Normally I've dismissed him. He's only hit, hit me up a couple of times leading up to this point. And at that moment I was like, I am done. I'm ready to get my life back on track because for months I've just been couch hopping or couch surfing and just not really going anywhere. Went back home with the intention to get my high school diploma, not my GED. So at 20 years old, I'm, a, I'm among a bunch of high schoolers go, going to get my high school diploma. Got my diploma, and that entire time frame, I was training to be pararescue with the Air Force. Air Force never opened the slots. So then I was like, all right, well, if you guys aren't going to open it, I'm done with you. Went over to the Army and said, I've been training for pararescue. I'm in the best shape of my life. Um, I want the 18 X-ray program, which is Special Forces Candidate. Long story short on that, and uh, they ended up giving me 35 Gulf geospatial intelligence and showed me a bunch of fake videos of, you know, you're going to be the next Green Beret, and it was the stereotypical recruiting experience. Joined the Army, and then one of the things I realized, though, was by being in military intelligence, if you're a fitness stud, you are going to absolutely kill it. You're going to stand out amongst the, the group, because a lot of these guys are the really smart people, and so the Army has a saying, you're either smart or you're either strong. And so I chose the strong path and I started competing. And then all of a sudden they sent me to a best, uh, um, I'm sorry, a soldier of the month competition when I was a private. And I was like, I don't want to do that. And my, uh, my sergeant in charge was like, you said you wanted to be the best. You're going to go and do this. All right, cool. And I went and won like six of them until the sergeant major said, stop showing up. You need to give other people a chance. And I was like, all right, cool. What's next? And they said the best warrior competition went and just kept winning best warrior competitions was like, what's next. And they were like, 
special forces commando competition went and did that won it back-to-back years set a record for the base they uh put us on all over like the el paso times army times like that type of stuff i've got the uh, article up on my wall here and after that i was like what's next and i was like airborne air assault special forces and i want to go to 10 special forces group and I, i mean it was literally just this trajectory of i could not get enough because i was trying to make up for the life that i lived previously so me joining the military was about redemption So it sounds super great when you're looking at my accolades and you're reading the about me section on my website until you realize how destructive of a person I was on the inside because it wasn't about the fame. It wasn't about the accomplishments. It was about me trying to live up to an expectation I never felt like I could fulfill. So if you could go back and speak to your teenage self when when you were at that pivotal moment, of making the decision to to take the high road or the low road, what would you tell yourself? And would do you think you would listen to your own absolutely advice? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. <laughs> you had to go on the um, journey. Absolutely. I, I'm at a state now. I will happily pay people who have been that who have been through obstacles to help me win their shortcuts. So I will pay for a coach that's ahead of me to get me to where they're at now. Back then, I had to go through those trials and tribulations. I had to get punched in the face repeatedly because that was the journey I enjoyed. I loved the suffering. Um, And it's kind of funny because there's actually a Bible verse that I just discovered this week where it says, uh, rejoice um, or or be glad in the suffering. suffering." And I was like, oh, that's unique. And it was like, because (laughs) suffering builds character, character builds perseverance and perseverance builds hope. And so it took me going through all that. I wouldn't change a single thing. I wouldn't even go back and try to stop myself or give them the advice. I'd be like, nope, that dude's going to be on a journey because anything that alters that path would alter where I'm at right now. And I wouldn't do anything to, to jeopardize losing what I have right now. Incredible. So, so if it's advice you wouldn't take, what would have made the journey um more fulfilling through the through the hardships where most people choose to be a victim you you champion through most of those struggles what would what would make the experience better in your mind Mm. is it well let me let me put the context around that is it would you choose to have better people around you would you um choose to up-level a skill that you wish you would have paid attention to, or maybe even a giftedness that you didn't give credit to? I would say one of the things that I, I deeply regret, but was necessary in me becoming who I was. And so if I'm speaking to someone out there who is where I was a few years ago, and I'm trying to help them with, with this advice, one of the things I would say is it's absolutely crucial that you do not burn bridges. And it's one of those things that we hear it all the time, you know, don't burn bridges, don't, you know, cherish your relationships, but you truly don't know what you have until it's gone. And you don't know even a relationship that you think might be just hanging on by a thread. If you reach out to that person, they could be the ones sitting there going, man, I was waiting for you to hit, hit me up. I just didn't want to bother you because you seem busy. And I get that all the time of people that are just waiting for me to reach out to them. And I'm like, the phone works both ways, but the perception is that, oh, well, you're busy or, oh, you've got this going on because we put these fake personas online that I'm living this hype that you see, but you're really missing out on all of the, the glory behind the scenes. And so I would say, surround yourself with a, with, good, with a good crowd. First and foremost, you are who you hang around. And so if you're hanging out with toxic people that are just getting absolutely hammered on the weekends, 
hate to say it, but eventually that's going to wear you down and you're going to be end up get, getting hammered on the weekends too. The group that I'm in right now and like the people I'm surrounded with right now are so uplifting and just forward thinking. They're not talking about each other behind each other's backs. They're not talking about how much money we're going to make. It's about purpose. It's about making lasting change. And so finding a group that you can get in with that, where you can say, I am going to go in here and we are going to make an impact on the society because in five generations, no one's going to remember us anyways. And the only thing that we're going to take to heaven with us is people, not materialistic things. So don't focus on the materials, focus on the people, focus on your relationships. Yeah, that's beautiful, man. Um, it, it sounds like along the way you discovered your why. I, I'm curious what that is. There is, uh, I'm going to summarize this into something that might be obnoxiously simple because Jesus said so. Mm. Straight up, it, it boils down to that for me now. In the past, it was redemption. And at different seasons, it was always something different. I wanted to impress my wife. I wanted to impress my dad. I wanted to show my mom that she was wrong. I wanted to show myself I was capable. I wanted to show others that I wasn't just this little kid that I used to be. Um, I wanted to show others that I, I could be wealthy and powerful and impactful. And then all of a sudden, when I realized all of that is just a front, when you really dig down to the core essence of who we are and what, it, what our gift is to the world, our path's been defined. Don't fight it. The more you seek God, the more that your path's going to be clear. And he's not going to give you 18 steps ahead. He's going to say, here's your assignment right now. Take it. And he's not going to tell you how. He's just going to say, this is what I want you to do. You're going to say, Roger, and you're going to move out. And it's just one mission at a time. And as soon as I realized that, that's become my why is he told me to do it. And I've learned what happens when I say no. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, that is so powerful. I think... I I think from the conversations I have with young men your age, there is an overwhelming pressure to have all the answers that connect the now to the future goal. Uh, and that future goal is usually a set of standards by which they are living in a in comfort, if you will. So what do you say to Yeah, yeah. So... Cause there's one, there's a stigma on that, right? Which is, is young men is men in your twenties, whether you're just getting married you're trying to get married, you have a family, wherever you're at. I feel like the, the social pressure is there until you realize no one actually cares whether or not you have that Lambo, whether or not you have that house. If you're open and honest and transparent, you're going to build such stronger bonds and relationships that are going to take you further than if you're trying to put on this front and this image. That was one of the things that took me forever to learn. I had a $20,000 day in my old business. And when I went to celebrate, I had no friends, no family. I had no one around. My wife had left. And I'm sitting there like, what was the point of all this money if I'm not going to be able to share it with anyone? And so those social pressures are just, it's, it's an illusion. that It's not real. It's what we think the world is because that's where our attention's at. Whereas if we just recentered our attention on what's important and what our core values are, then you're, you would be guided so much on a more fulfilling journey. So I've heard it said that the, the actual currency of today is attention. So I'm glad you said that. And um, I, I believe most young men are wanting to be seen right now because they're having difficulty establishing their place that is non-traditional compared to the way it used to be, right? Head Absolutely. of the household, um, um, warrior, 
the businessman, et cetera. Now everything's even and equal and we're all striving for equality in, in color, in gender, in you name it. It's all about equality. And I think I think that's that's been a confusing transition for men over the decades. Is that is that fair for me to say? Because I've heard it several times <laughs> and I'm still discerning whether it's truth or not. Yeah, I think there's um I think there's a lot of social pressure out there for for young men. Um and here's how I would summarize it for how how I deal with it. And that's we aren't called to judge. So I don't care if you're gay. I don't care if you're straight. I don't care if you're transgender. I don't care if you lean left or right in politics. I don't care if you're from another country. And I honestly don't care if you're a Christian or not. I'm gonna, I'm called to love you no matter what. And don't get me wrong. There are times to flip that switch, at least for me. Um, I know the Bible says that if someone robs you, you're supposed to give them your shirt too. That's one that I struggle with still. I'm still trying to work through that, right? But at the end of the day, like I'm going to give you respect if I want to get respect in return. And if you don't reciprocate that respect, I'm not going to go out and fight you or try to cause problems. I'm just gonna be like, all right, cool. You just lost a seat at my table. And I think if we focus so much, so much more on that, cause that's what ran me away from Christianity in the, in the beginning was I was raised as a Christian. I knew Bible verses as a kid. I always told my parents I was going to go be a, be a pastor and everybody in the church would always tell me I'm going to be a pastor. And it was like spoken over my life until all of a sudden I started reflecting on like, okay, well, all of the, these denominations hate each other. Um, the church is divided. They're super judgmental. And I start diving into all the things I don't like about Christianity until I realized I was judging God on human actions. And as soon as I broke that down, I was like, I don't like to say I'm religious. I don't even like using the term Christian, even though I, I'm, I'm born again and I've gave my life to Christ now. I'm a follower of Jesus. And that tells me I'm meant to call it. I'm meant to go out and love others. That period, end of story, not judge. And if we all had that same mindset, we would be in a lot better spot because there is no room for judgment. And it's, hey, you can live your life. Don't cast your problems on me. And I'm going to sit here and love you regardless. Like one of the things that they brought up, and I hope you don't mind me going there, is the Roe versus Wade, where they said it's a huge win for the church. I don't think it was. And the reason why is because it caused division. I don't think God's celebrating, oh, hey, uh, we, we stopped abortion. Great. What happens now after the baby's born? It's going to go into the foster system and you just want to leave it there. So no, if you are proud of this moment, how about you follow it all the way through? And so I think it's so much about being right and it's not about actually helping someone. So a lot yeah. of that social pressure disappears as soon as we we focus on other people. So so back to the attention question, how 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 are you coaching young men to move the attention from here there and to shine light out? What's What's the the switch that you flip or the story that you tell or or the influence that you share with them that turns the light bulb on? Man, that is a great question. First off, pull the log out of your own eye before you try to pull a splinter out of someone else's. Don't go into the world trying to solve other people's problems when you have a whole train trainload of problems at home. Go and fix your own problems first because... Here's the thing, and I see it a lot with these online coaches nowadays. Everyone wants to hit, hit me up on my DMs and tell me they can make you know, $700,000 this month, the next 30 days. Okay, well, first off, have you done that? Because one of my biggest things with coaches is if you are going to sell a product, it's not going to be successful unless you have done the things that you said that you've done and be able to prove it and show people, here's the proof uh, that I have done this. The second thing is if we focus on the things that we failed at in life, everyone runs away from failure. 
but failure is where the obstacles, or I'm sorry, the opportunities are made. And like one of the things I always say is the obstacle creates the opportunity. And that's where your blessing is. And so first and foremost, pull the log out of your own eye before you go and pull the splinter out of someone else's. Focus on your problems, get yourself straight, then you can go out and help others. And then the second part is when you do go out, give without expectation of receiving anything in return. Because when you can do that, your life is going to be on a whole different trajectory because now you have people who are advocates for you and your brand. You have people who are willing to go out, put their reputation on you and say, I'm vouching for this guy because I've seen it myself. And that's going to go far. That's going to go way further than you spending $100,000 in ad spend. It's going to catch like a wildfire. And it's the same thing that we're doing in Operation Life. And I would not change it, any of it. I mean, you go out and you help them. And if they can't afford it, still work with them. What's the problem with, with helping someone if you have the time? Jesus says to sacrifice sacrifice what you have, right? Some people think, oh, well, I can't sacrifice 10% of my income. Okay, maybe you shouldn't have financed that vehicle and gotten you know into, into all of these big debt and payments. Got it. You're in a situation you can't financially. So I would encourage you go and give 10% of your time. Start somewhere. Just start giving and you will start receiving. You think people have an opportunity to discover themselves when they actually are helping other people that that your self-discovery comes in the act of service because that's a journey that's an action that you're taking and i'm 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 just wondering listening to you talk well if if people are so stuck where they are that it's better to get them moving and serving and then maybe along the way they're going to self-discover something of value versus not taking any action and sitting where they are with inaction, that's not going to help anybody, right? Absolutely. No, the fir first and foremost, is you absolutely have to take action. But here's the thing. Um, and actually, I was just reading a book by uh, T.D. Jakes where he was talking about it, where he said, everybody always talks about pulling the trigger. But what's the target? What's beyond the target? What kind of weapon are you using? What's the caliber? We never want to talk about like all of the other, you know, the, the setting the stage, if you will, before you go and pull the trigger. A lot of the people that come to me are like, I need money right now. I need to start a business because I need money. No, let's pull you out of debt and fix your your poor financial habits first. Then we create the business because whenever you you start a business out of scarcity, all you're going to do is burn the other person and ruin your reputation. So let's focus on the money problem first. I think what you asked is very unique because there is a point in which there is a point in which you can go out and help someone and it can be more damaging to you. And so you have to be careful in knowing when to walk away and when to go out and help and also who to go and help. Because if you're struggling with anxiety and depression and you go and find a group of people that are struggling with anxiety and depression, you haven't made it out of that yet. So now all you've done is surround yourself with other people who don't have answers and that's going to be more toxic to you. And so it's being aware of which groups you're surrounding yourself with and understanding that we are on this walk. And what that means for me is I am all for going out and helping anyone and everyone I can. If someone comes up to me and asks me for help, I'm going to say, absolutely. Here's the path that I'm on. I would love to show you all of it, all that I'm doing. So long as you walk with me, if you choose to stay at this point, then this is where you exit my life. But as long as you walk with me and we're all at least making progress together and you're not distracting me or the other people that are in this group, welcome. And let's have an incredible time. We are going to go far. But the minute that you start saying, I'm more focused about me, I don't understand why we're doing this. I don't believe in my faith anymore. I'm not going to throw you away, but I'm going to start questioning why is it that you feel this way? And do you want to continue with me? And if you say no, that's fine. You have to be willing to let them go.
Yeah, John Maxwell said, um, sometimes you have to give up in order to go up. I think that's a perfect example of that. Absolutely. You mentioned Operation Life, Ian. I'm curious, um, how did you come up with that name? And how did you create the substructure that supports the movement? Absolutely. So first and foremost, the name, um, it's kind of funny. So I am obviously in the military. And so everything's in operation. Uh, as far as the life portion, this originally started out as it was supposed to be life coaching. And the whole foundation behind it was that our life is our operation that we are always on. It is a never ending movement. And this mission is not going to end until we die. And so that was the, that was the first foundation where we came up with the name. Um, I hit up Eric Allen afterwards after I had the name and was like, hey, what do you think about this name? And what do you think about going and doing this? We had talked for a couple of years, actually, um, about another community that we wanted to start, but it wasn't the right time. We had the tactical patience. We didn't just pull the trigger. We mapped everything out, waited until I got myself right. And when the opportunity arised, I said, hey, uh, I've got Operation Life. Here's what it's about. I just gave my life to Jesus and I want to help other people avoid the pitfalls that I just went through. I threw away my friends, my family. I threw away anything that was important to me, my relationship with all of my soldiers, because I prioritized entrepreneurship and money. I don't want anyone to have to go through that. And on the flip side, I don't want anyone to have to worry about, am I going to go to heaven or hell? That is such a loaded question, and there's so many different variants. And so for me, it's as simple as, do you accept Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior? Do you acknowledge that he died on the cross to, for your sins? And do you recognize that in order for you to get to heaven, it's through him? That It's that simple. Why are we complicating it in the church and saying you have to go spin three times, and you have to show up to church on Sundays, and you have to do all of these extracurricular activities? Like I've heard it so many different ways in numerous different churches. And I was like, so that was the second part of the movement. The first one is I just want to help you mentally. I want to get your life back on track where your wife wants to get in bed with you, where your wife wants to go out on dates with you, and you guys have a passionate family, first and foremost, because if your family life's messed up, everything else is going to fall aside. Secondly, then I want to repair your, your friendships and your relationships and your reputation. When we have your reputation under control and we start building a strong foundation for you, a Christian and biblical foundation, it's not anything I'm, I'm making up. This is coming straight from the Bible. And so I'll pull Bible verses, and if I don't know, I say I don't know. And that's how we built the foundation. And we started by just inviting a few guys that we know on our inner circle. And then they just started telling other people. And now they're telling other people, we're not spending anything in advertising right now. We have a huge event coming up in three weeks that we have insane guest speakers that normally are charging six figures and they volunteered for free to come and speak. Um, and it's just, it's, inc it's incredible seeing that when you're driven by a purpose, how everything aligns. And when every time that God tells you to do something, you say yes. And that's what got me to write my book. That's what got me to give my life to him. That's what got me to restore the relationship with my wife and not throw her away. And that's also what got me to give up every dollar in my bank account because he knew greed was what had me. So my first assignment was, hey, uh, I want you to give up every, every dollar in your bank account to the church. And I'm like, all right, well, if I'm doing that, it says in the Bible, I have to do so with a, with a, a happy and cheerful heart. So it took me two straight weeks to get to a good mental and, and emotional space to give this money and say, it's yours anyways. Every, every You give 100% of what I own is yours. You're just asking for 10% back. In this one scenario, you're asking for everything, done. And guess what? I did it and I've been provided for ever since. And I've been following you know, the tithing rule. So it's not a coincidence. No, it's clearly not a coincidence. You have, you have uh, certainly had God winks throughout 
your your life, your your career, your experiences. It's absolutely incredible to see the trajectory of where where you're you've been and where you're clearly are going to continue to go. I can only imagine the stage performances on which you're going to tell your story. I mean, I can already see you impacting the lives of hundreds and thousands of people from a platform where you get to tell stories that are so captivating, so endearing, and so um, mind-blowing, if if you will, Ian. That's yeah, uh, I amazing that to think so about. Much. And one thing, I, one thing I do want to touch on with that as well is, first off, I'm, I'm so grateful for for everything you just said. That is That makes me feel so good, so thank you. The second part, though, is one of the things that I've learned over this journey is that nothing that we do, these big stages that we're working on, and I know you and I know this, but I want to state it for anyone that's listening that might be on the same trajectory that I used to be on. Here's the thing. If I get to speak on a stage to 100,000, 200,000, a million people, it's for God's glory. It's not for mine. Everything we do is for his glory, and it's understanding that we're not the ones that save people. We plant the seeds. All we're doing is sharing the word and sharing our testimonies, and then the Holy Spirit goes to work, and it's for his glory. So, but no, I seriously appreciate what you said, and I just want everyone else to know that's listening to this, that it, you keep it for his glory, and he's going to keep rewarding you. Yeah, the the reward um, came when you were put on this planet for for a purpose. That was that was the world's reward was they got Ian, and through Ian's trials and tribulations, you have a platform by which to share the message that's the value right Absolutely. um so the the free event is called rise correct yep. i know that's the rise global conference the rise global conference it looks absolutely amazing where can people find information about that as well as operation life absolutely so the rise global conference is riseglobalconference.com operation life operationlife.com um, and then on social media, it's at Operation Life HQ. Um, and then you can find the Rise Global there. Um, otherwise, through my uh, on my link tree, I'm on Instagram at the Ian Inman. Uh, you can go there and find the registration there as well. Oh, cool. I can't wait for that event. I signed up for sure. For sure. Well, I, Those saw are some... you. I, I got a special seat for you for sure. <laughs> Those are some incredible, incredible speakers you have lined up. And I'm I'm curious, what is your hope? At the end of that event, when you're in reflection about what you just instigated, what is that vision in your mind? Curiosity. If I had to summarize it into one word, I want people walking away, not curious about Operation Life. That's that's the obvious. If you're going to this event, we're putting it on. The obvious is yes, we, we do want you to come and join our community. We want you to come be a part of this movement because we are going to be the largest Christian entrepreneur club in the world. Like I'm calling it right now. This is going to be a massive movement where we show the world what's possible through Christ. And it's not through un, you know unethical corporations, any of that. Like, no, this is legitimate businesses that are all helping each other. So that's the movement. That's the obvious is come and join that and be a part of it. Um, but I want, I really want to spark that curiosity. I want people to come to this and see, okay, if I don't believe in Jesus, I, I don't, I'm not asking for you to be saved. I'm just asking you to, for you to start asking the questions. And if you're really curious, one of the things you can do is for 30 straight days, just pray. And it can be the same simple prayer of like, God, are you real? Show yourself to me. Is this legit? And I promise if you do that for 30 days, something's going to happen if you're paying attention and this isn't like a trick that you're trying to play on yourself. If you are genuine in your heart and you're asking that, 
that that's what I hope to promote is that just get curious about your faith. I'm not here to to convert you. I'm not here to push any of the the stereotypical Christian tactics on you. All I want to do is just make you curious so that at least when you get into those dark places, you don't resort to a gun, you resort to going to God.